You're listening to the KB Podcast Network. <laughs> Welcome to the Cindy Stewart Podcast, a source for encouragement as you learn to discover God's dream for your life. With a passion to help you on your journey, here is your host, Cindy Stewart. Black and white. There's God or man. And uh, we're going to talk about choices. You know, I do believe, I'm not going to say I do believe, I know that God is moving in a way that we haven't seen, in a way that we're having a hard time even identifying, because it is just such a, uh, um, I don't even know the right word for it. It's like this move of God that's happening. And you're like, was that you, God? I think it was. He's just doing it. He's he's moving us forward. He's he's keeping the momentum going in our lives. And even though the enemy thinks he gets a little bit of upper hand, he gets a little bit of attack, he gets a little bit under our skin. God is still there. He is still with us. He is still just all over the place. And one thing, uh, there's a couple of things I know that are happening. First of all, uh, even when we were talking about the movies, we went to see Mission Impossible. Are any of you Mission Impossible fans? Uh, my mom used to watch it growing up. I remember the match being lit and the little, uh, uh, whatever that's called, the, yeah, going off. And do you choose to accept or not? You know, uh, this message will explode and three seconds. So we went to see Mission Impossible yesterday because I love a good action film. The nice thing about Mission Impossible, it never has sex. It never has curse words. It only has action. You just have to make sure you're far enough away from the screen so you can get it. I, I, if we went to, we were going to go to one theater and all they had were front row. I'm like, I can't see. I got to be back to be able to see that. But the, but the interesting thing about Mission Impossible is this particular one, and they're all like this. There's multiple bad guys, and there's one good guy. The enemy comes in all different shapes and forms in Mission Impossible. But there's one person, Ethan, who his goal in life is to do what's right. And really, when you think about it, I mean, he does all these superhero things. You know, he does, he jumps on trains and fight, has knife fights at trains going 100 miles an hour and all this kind of stuff. Well, in the real world, that's not our world. We didn't even have trains here. But, um, but when we think about it, there are multiple bad guys all around us. The enemy shows up in all kinds of forms, shapes, uh, People that seem friendly, then we realize they are not. I mean, we, they come in all forms. But Jesus is the answer to every demonic attack against us. And just like Ethan, who is Tom Cruise, Ethan has an answer because he knows the truth has got to be where he's going. We are the people of God that have the answer for everything the enemy has said against us. We are. And it may not seem that way, but if we read the Bible, that is exactly what the Bible says. 
Whatever we need, God will supply. If we have a problem, we ask. If we need an answer, he will tell us. If we seek him, we will find him. So we, there is a mission impossible out there, but we have a God where nothing is impossible and he uses his people for the breakthrough. And he brings the supernatural and the angels and all this other stuff going on in the heavenly realms and the spiritual realm and the invisible realm that we can't even see. Because God has a plan for this nation. He has a plan for this world. And he's going to use us to make his plan come true. And, you know, if you just think about, I mean, just think about Hollywood along what we just talked about. That is the miracle of God. We know that Sound of Freedom sat on the shelf for, I don't know how many years, five years. And then Angel Studios picked it up and it's become, it's 131 million and counting. So we know that, that God takes the faith, his faith in us that we step into and, and, and move into an impossible situation. And God's like, because you moved into the impossible, I will make it possible because I'm going to do through you what nobody else can do. Amen. And that's not even what I'm going to preach on this morning. But, you know, when you think about it, it, it doesn't it get you excited? Because I know that the enemy has come to kill, steal and destroy us. But in that same verse, Jesus has come to give us life and life more abundantly. So which one am I going to lean into? The kill, steal, and destroy, or am I going to lean into the life and life more abundantly? I'm leaning into the life. I'm leaning into what his word says. So we're going to talk about, are we going to choose men or God? And the way we know what we're choosing is because there are signs for both. There are signs when we follow man's thoughts, when we follow man's direction, when we follow man's path. There are signs when we follow God's direction and God's thoughts and what he's calling us to do. And knowing when, uh, knowing who to choose helps us to understand where we're going to end up, right? Okay, First Samuel, verse 8, I mean, chapter 8. Over the last week or so, uh, I've been reading Acts with Samuel and Proverbs. That's quite a combination. And uh, not only that, I've been reading uh, something else. Glory. It's a good book, guys. Let's see if I can come up with the name of it so you can read it with me. Um, I, read, I read it on my candle. It's called, oh, Moving, Glory, Moving into Glory Realms by Josh Mills. An incredible book. Moving into Glory Realms. It's it is incredible. So if you get a chance, pick it up. But anyhow, first Samuel eight. So we know that Samuel was a judge of Israel, right? He was a prophet. He was a judge. Whatever he said happened. If he said it, it happened. I have prayed for that anointing. Now it came to pass when Samuel was old that he made his sons judges over Israel. Well, we're going to find out a little bit about his sons. The name of his first one was Joel, and the name of the second was Abijah. They were judges in Beersheba, but his sons did not walk in the ways. 
They turned aside after dishonest gain, took bribes, and perverted justice. So here we have Samuel's son. We see the same thing with Eli, Eli's sons. So here he's supposed to pass down an inheritance to his son so they could be like him and, and take this further than he took it. And they decided to go another way. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah and said to him, look, you are old and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now make us a king to judge us like all the nations. So we want to be like everyone else. We want to be not counting on your sons who are corrupt. We want a king that we have no barometer for because we can't trust God to take care of us. So we want you to put someone over us. And that is what they said. Because it says in verse 6, but this thing displeased Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. So Samuel prayed to the Lord and the Lord said to Samuel, heed the voice of the people in all uh, that they say to you. For they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me. Can you imagine? You know, just even reading that, you're like, oh, my heart hurts that I should not reign over them. Now, here's the people who've come out of Egypt, who have followed the cloud by day, the fire by night, have taken over the promised land, who have had a prophet and a judge that spoke the word of God, and now they're looking for a king so they can be like all the other nations. We don't want to be like all the other nations. We don't want to be like all the other nations. Uh, verse, where did I leave off? Eight. It says, according to all the works which they have done since the day that I brought them out of Egypt, even to this day, with which they have forsaken me to serve other gods. So they are doing to you also. He's like, Samuel, don't get your feelings hurt that they don't like you. <laughs> don't get your feelings hurt. Yeah. So Samuel told uh, them, told all the words of the Lord to the people who asked him for a king. And he said, this will be the behavior of the king. Now, here's the sign of whether you're going to follow man. This is what's going to happen if you have a king and you're going to follow man because they have already rejected God. This is the sign. They're going to oppress you. They're going to take your children. They're going to take your money. They're going to rule over you. And you see all through scripture, righteous kings, unrighteous kings. We, we see the Ahabs. We see the Davids. I mean, we, you know, they are at the mercy of whatever thought process that king has. Holy, unholy. They are at the mercy. Totally at the mercy of him because they've rejected God. Let's skip down to uh, verse 19. It says, nevertheless, the people refused to obey the voice of Samuel. And they said, no, but we will have a king over us that we will also be like all the nations and that our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Well, there's their delusion right there. 
because they think the king's going to do what's best for them. And they will find out that the king only does what's best for him. And some kings have the heart for a nation and some kings have a heart for themselves. Just like Samuel's sons, they had a heart only for themselves. So they're going to find out exactly what it's going to look like to choose a king. They are going to be at the mercy of that king. So I'm not going to go through this whole thing about Sam, uh, about Saul being chosen because uh, most of you know the story. You know, he's lost his donkeys. They've lost their donkeys. They're going out looking. And he encounters Samuel. And Samuel hears from the Lord. <laughs> he's going to be anointed king. And, and Saul isn't exactly like jumping up and down with that information. <laughs> Has God ever called you? And you're like, uh, yeah, that was not my first thought, God. That was not my first thought, but we'll skip over to first Samuel 10. Then Saul took a flask of oil and poured it over his head. This is over Saul's. I'm, I'm sorry. Then Samuel took a flask of oil and poured it over his head, over Saul's and kissed him and said, it is not because the Lord has anointed you commander. Is it not because the Lord has anointed you commander over his inheritance? And then he goes on to tell him there will be three signs as you go. So I'm sending you out to go back to your father. And when you go out, there will be three signs. And these three signs are the indicator that the Lord is going to anoint you king. You follow the steps that he's given you. You know, sometimes we have to step into the obedience before we get the fullness of what God has for us. Sometimes we want the fullness, God, when we haven't gone through the process to be able to handle the fullness, right? So his signs were, we'll start in, I think I'm going to start in, uh, um, well, one of the signs was that the donkeys, which he was looking for, will be found. So the donkeys are found. The next one, it says in verse three, then you'll go on forward from there and come to the Tenebeth tree in Tabor. There are three men going up to God at Bethel will meet you. One carrying three young goats, another carrying three loaves of bread, and another carrying a skin of wine. They will greet you and give you two loaves of bread, which you will receive from their hands. So there's the second sign. And then after that, verse 5, it says, After that you shall come to the hill of God where the Philistine garrison is. And it will happen when you have come there to the city that you will meet a group of prophets coming down from high places with stringed instrument, a tambourine, a flute, a harp before them, and they will be prophesying. Then the spirit of the Lord will come upon you and you will prophesy with them. And listen to this. And you will be turned into another man. And let it be when these signs come to you that you will do as the occasion demands for the Lord is with you. Okay, then then this is a key verse too. Verse eight, you shall go down before me to Gilgal and surely I will come down to you. Um, I'm sorry, I will come down to you to offer burnt offerings and make sacrifices of peace offerings. Seven days you shall wait till I come to you and show you what you shall do. So we've got it all set up. Everything's all set up. So he goes, he encounters the guy, says, Donkeys have been found, but your father's worried about you. Then he gets the three guys, the goats, the bread, and the wine. He gets two loaves of bread. 
Then he comes to the prophets and it says in verse 10, and when they came to the hill, there was a group of prophets to meet him. When the spirit of the Lord came upon him, he prophesied amongst them. So when he prophesied amongst them, he became a whole different person. He became a different man. So he goes through all of that. And it's so interesting here because here's this anointing of the Lord on Saul. And Saul is going through the process to become the king of Israel. He's following the steps that Samuel has laid out for him. So he's following God's path. He has followed the signs until it's like the brakes are slammed on. And we get to 1 Samuel 11. I'm just going to read a couple of verses out of that. So 1 Samuel 11, the Amorites have come against Israel, right? And the Amorites have come to Israel of this specific uh, Jabesh Gilead in Israel. And they have said, we want to make a covenant with you. And so they're working on this covenant and the Amorites are like, oh, we're going to poke out everybody's right eye. We'll make a covenant with you. We're going to poke out everybody's right eye so we can rule over you and make you the shame of Israel. You know, sometimes they're, and they're like, okay, but can you wait for seven days? And if Israel doesn't come save us, then you can poke out our eyes and rule over us. Poke out our right eye and rule over us. You're thinking, that is awful, isn't it? I mean, just think about that. Think about the things they felt like they had to do in order to be safe. And they call out to the Lord, basically they send a message to Israel and say, will you help us? And Saul gets the message. This isn't the bad part yet. Let me just share this little part yet. There's a bad part coming. And then we'll get to the good part again. You know, sometimes we have to see where we misstep so we can understand what to do when things come against us. They have a whole garrison that are trying to not only overthrow them, but disable them, knock out their vision. So Saul hears about what's going on. In verse, in verse 5, he says, um, Now there was Saul coming up behind the herd from the field, and Saul said, What troubles the people that they weep? And they were told, and they told him the words of the men from Jabesh. Then the spirit of the Lord came upon Saul when he heard the news and the anger greatly aroused. So think about it. the spirit of the Lord came upon him and he prophesied. Now the spirit of the Lord has come upon him and his righteous anger has rose up. And not only did he raise up an army, but he raised up 330,000 men to go and fight. That's a big army. And they go and they rout them. They destroy them so that the people are rescued. So Saul is on this momentum. He's got the spirit of the Lord that's coming over him. He, he's moving in the direction, the path of God. And then he gets to the hard part and he begins to back down. You know, when the spirit of the Lord comes upon you, people who share the fear of the Lord with you will go with you. But not everybody will because not everybody shares the fear of the Lord. 
So when you wonder why all these people that you love, why aren't they excited about stepping out in the anointing and moving into what God has? It's because they don't have the fear of the Lord that would make them say yes to the assignment God has given you. You want to surround yourself with people who fear the Lord. Let's go to 1 Samuel 13 and verse 1. I mean, yeah, that is right. It says, uh, it says, Saul reigned one year. So he reigned one year. And when he had reigned two years over Israel, Saul chose for himself 3,000 men of Israel. 2,000 were in with Saul. So he goes on. He's choosing these people. There's this war. There's this big attack. And here's where he comes off the path. So Samuel told him, when you go to Gilgal, you wait for seven days for me. And when I get there, then we'll do what God has called us to do. He said, when you go, you wait for me. Saul went, but he had a but. He got to Gilgal, um, verse 7, and some of the Hebrews crossed over Jordan to the land of Gad and Gil, uh, uh, Gilead. I'm sorry, I was thinking Gilgal in my head. Oh, the next one does. As for Saul... He was still in Gilgal and all the people followed him trembling. Then he waited for seven days, according to the time set by Samuel. But Samuel did not come to Gilgal and the people were scattered from him. So Saul said, bring a burnt offering and peace offering here to me. And he offered the burnt offering. Now it happened as soon as he finished presenting the burnt offering that Samuel came and Saul went out to meet him that he might greet him. Didn't get a word out. Samuel says, what have you done? What have you done? And Saul said, when I saw the people were scattering from me and that you did not come within the appointed days appointed and that the Philistines gathered together in mishmash. Then I said, the Philistines will come down on me at Gilgal and I have not made supplication to the Lord. Therefore, I felt compelled and offered a burnt offering. Samuel says, and Samuel said to Saul, you have done foolishly. You have not kept the commandment of the Lord your God, which he has commanded you. For now, the Lord would have, for now, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom shall not continue. As soon as he became king, he was out. But it just took about 30 years to physically get him out the door. I think it was about 30 years. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. The Lord has commanded him to be commander over all his people because you have not kept the Lord's commandment. So it's interesting when you think about it. Saul had an opportunity to be a king whose family reigned forever. Because that's just what the word said. He decided out of his nervousness and out of his desire to prevent a narrative that he had built in his mind. My people are scattering. The Philistines are surrounding. You know, narratives in our mind can hang us from the purposes that God has for us. And so many times narratives begin to build of all the what if this happens and it looks like this may happen and this may happen and this is going to happen. And if I don't do something because God is not who he said he is, so I'm going to have to be God for myself and take care of the things that God has promised me he would take care of. And it has cost me everything. It cost him everything, everything. And you would think, oh, well, that was just minor. 
Well, his minor becomes major the more you read about Saul. But his, his demarcation was right here. He had the choice, God. He even had the word of the Lord over him. When I get there, then, Samuel says, when I get there, then, he says, I've got God. And Samuel, whose word has never fallen to the ground without being fulfilled. He knows that. And then I've got man. I've got my worries of the world. I've got what I'm facing. I've got my people are not paying attention to me. I've got the enemy is getting close to me. I've got all these different things. So I'm going to choose to not believe God. I'm going to choose man's way. So I've got a way to figure it out. And it's cost me everything. So when you think about God has a path he gives us signs. He gave Saul signs. He knew this was going to happen. But the timing in Saul's mind was off. So God did not meet what he expected. So he took care of the outcome himself, which cost him everything. God gives us signs to the direction we're going. And he wants us to believe him. We talked about this last week. Abraham believed God. Sarah believed even though her womb was dead. Sarah believed. Abraham believed. It didn't mean they didn't make mistakes, but they believed. Saul believed until his vision of the natural was challenged from what the spiritual had been spoken. He could only see with his natural eyes. The man who prophesied, the man who heard differently, who were changed as he entered in the anointing of the prophets, who the oil was poured over, who was chosen. God chose him to be the king of Israel. As soon as he was faced with danger, he could no longer see the realm of God. He could only see the realm of the enemy. And he chose his own strength to try to fix it. Whew. God makes you go, whew. I mean, that makes us think because we have signs in what God's going to do. We know that he's called us, we anointed us. And even if we don't have a specific prophetic word for next week, I have a prophetic Bible that says yes and amen, that every promise of God will be fulfilled. So I pick up my Bible and I say, Psalms 103, bless the Lord, all my soul and all that was within me. I bless his holy name. I forget not his benefits. You know, I, I have something that is a sign from God that tells me where I'm going. I have lots of prophetic words, some fulfilled, some not fulfilled, and they will be fulfilled because God has promised. But even if they're not fulfilled today, they're a sign of the direction that God has taken me. We all have signs. We have the word that is our sign in which God has taken us. We read Ephesians 1 this morning that he's given us every spiritual blessing that we need. Everything. We have a sign. So our choice is, you know, Elijah 
said to the people of Israel, how long will you waver? How long will you choose between? I think I even have it written down up here. Let me see. Let me just read it. Now then send word and gather to me all Israel at Mount Carmel together with the 450 prophets of Baal, 400 prophets of Asherah and who eat at Jezebel's table. They eat at the table of the demonic enemy. So Ahab sent word to all of the Israelites, assembled the pagan prophets together at Mount Carmel. Elijah approached all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? How long will you look at the word of God and say, that doesn't apply to my circumstance? How long will you look at the enemy in front of you and say, you're much greater than me. How the heck am I going to get past this? How long will you look at it and say, I've got a mustard seed here. That mountain's got to move because that's what God says. I don't care how it moves. It's just got to. It has no choice. He says, how will you, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. And we all declare that the Lord is God. We are following him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people of Israel did not answer him so much as a word. They could not decide because Baal was so strong in their lives. It was so enmeshed in their lives that they didn't want to offend him. They didn't want to offend God. Somebody's got, I don't know what to do, so I'm just not going to do anything. They said not one word. Just like Samuel the prophet, whose word was the word of the Lord, Elijah, the prophet, he's like, if God is your God, then let it be so. If Baal is your God, then let it be so. Decide. Crickets. Nothing. Nothing. And we are faced every day with the decision, is God is my God? Are his promises real? Are his prophetic word over me true? Then I choose him. Where are the signs today when I'm having a hard time or when the enemy has come in or I've lost an account or whatever it is, I'm injured, whatever it is. Where are my signs today that God's going to replace, restore, renew, redo, whatever it is that God does? Because I've got the signs. I've got them. They're right here. I've got them in my journal. They're in here in the cloud somewhere. But, you know, we have the signs. I read my signs over. I read my prophetic words over and over and say, God. And then I write, oh, yeah, this was fulfilled. This was partially fulfilled. This is still to come. So this is still to come. So I'm declaring, God, that this will occur and that my sister, and you know, I just, I go after it because God has promised if he spoke it over me, then he's going to fulfill what he's spoken. So is God my God? Am I choosing his path? What's my choice? Do I have a better thought process than God? No. Sometimes I think I do. I mean, come on. Sometimes we're like, oh, that's a great idea. And then all of a sudden you're like, oh, that was not a God idea. What do you think? What would you like to do? We all know that we wrestle. But we just got to decide. Are we determined to win the wrestling match? 
Are we determined to overcome what God has spoken to us by our own thoughts, our own ways, our own fears? Saul was afraid that God wasn't going to show up. Have you ever been afraid, honestly, that God's not going to show up? Yes. But that fear is overcome by that cry to the Lord, I am afraid. I don't know what to do. You've got to show me. Sometimes, you know, I'm as bold as a lion. But sometimes I feel like I'm the mouse in the corner trying to get the cheese out of the trap before it snaps my hand. I mean, that is reality. If I say I'm bold 24-7 and never even blink an eye, then you know the Lord would strike me down right here, right? right? So we have to realize there are continuums. But in the continuum, we have to always go back to, do I choose God or do I choose man? And whether we feel like the mouse today or the lion today, it's always going back to, God, I'm a mouse in the corner, but I choose you. I don't know what to do, but I choose you. The circumstances look beyond what I can understand, but I choose you. And when I choose you, then you have a response. You have a reply. You have an answer as long as I choose you. When I choose man, when I try to make it my way, then you're trying, Lord, to pull me back to choosing you and not what I think is best or not what that person over there is pressuring me to do. And I am afraid of the outcome of that. So I'm, I'm leaning that way, but you're pulling the whole time saying, no, choose me. My way's better. He asked Saul, choose me. And then Saul goes on to continue to choose his own way until finally him and his son were dead. How many times will we waver? How long will we waver? If God is God, then we choose him. Regardless of our circumstance, we choose him. I can't fix it, but he can. I don't know how he's going to fix it, but he will. I have lots of suggestions, but he didn't have to take them. But you know what? Sometimes he does. Sometimes he's just like, okay, we'll fix that. Yeah, we'll fix that way. Go ahead. But you know, it's that, that sacrifice of will that even if it doesn't work out the way I think it should work out, you will work everything to the good. You will work everything to the good because that's your job. And I choose you because you're good at your job. Right, Jesus? Right, Jesus? Amen? Amen. Well, let's pray. I just want to pray over us because, uh, like I said, I know that the enemy is, there's just taunting spirits. There are uh, like these lures of the enemy that you don't even realize are happening sometimes. And, and we want to just shore ourselves up over the word and what the word says that if we seek him we will find him that even jeremiah when we've you know probably 
prayed it a zillion times. Jeremiah, what is it, 32, 13 through 14 or 33? No, 32, where it says, oh, 29, I'm sorry. Where it says, I know the plans I have for you. We know that they were in captivity in Babylon. But he said, I know the plans I have for you. They're to prosper you, not to harm you for a hope and a future. So in the midst of captivity, he prophesied into them saying, don't be discouraged because I have plans for you. And in the middle of your captivity, I'm giving you a hope and a future. Amen. Amen. Well, if you'll stand, let's pray. So, Lord, there's almost a nervousness to, uh, I don't know, to all of this. I just feel like the enemy, number one, is trying to distract, no doubt. Uh, there is um, a taunting uh, roar that has been going on, trying to uh, take our attention off of you. But, Lord, we know that there is only two ways. There's only you and hell. Really, those are the two ways. But, but we, we get to hell through the choices of man, not the choices of God. So, Lord, today, we, we just choose you. All of us, we, we choose you. I know the hearts of everyone here, the hearts of the people watching. We want your path, your plan. We want to follow the signs that you have for us. We, we want every step that we take to be like Samuel's, where, where we walk in righteousness in the ways of the Lord. And he even said to the people before he died, have I stolen from you? Have I lied to you? Have I misguided you in any way? And they're like, no, no. And that's what we want. We want to be on a righteous path that you put out before us, that leads us to the kingdom breakthrough that you have for us in our generation, what you've prepared for us to do. And Lord, we say no to every path of man. We say no to every thought that doesn't align with your thought. We, we say that in First uh, uh, Corinthians 2.16, we agree that we have the mind of Christ. That, that our mind is being transformed because in that chapter, it says the spirit searches the deep things of God and tells it to us. So we carry the deep things of God. We have, we have mysteries that have been revealed to us that people who don't believe don't know. We have answers and solutions that have, that will unfold before us, that we can testify to behind us, Lord, that will unfold before us, that will bring breakthrough to families and to um, our region. That's what we want, Lord. We want a breakthrough for our region. Just as um, that uh, Newsweek says, you know, Jesus has invaded Hollywood. We want Jesus to invade our every element, every atmosphere, every store that we go on to. We want the invasion of you, Jesus. So God, we just thank you that you're on the move. And that you are tearing down strongholds, that you are breaking the backs of those who have risen up against you. God, even right now, we just pray against this uh, sex industry that is number two behind drugs, that it is number two behind drugs. Lord, we just we agree together as a family for heavenly solutions, 
for paths that you will open up and for a breaking of the back of those economic industries, drugs and sex that will that will be freed. And Florida is number three in our nation and that our oh, God. Oh, God. I just kept seeing that you will take a scrub brush to Florida that we will no longer be number three in the nation, that we will be zero, that we can't even be on the charts because we have cleansed our, our, our state, Lord. So God, we just command and declare that, that our states are, our state is going to start the turnover. It's always been said that Florida is the forerunner. God, we just declare that we will be a forerunner in breaking the sex trafficking, human trafficking, just uh, the abomination of of people created in your image, Lord. So we just declare right now, we agree that we will be forerunners for that. Not only for you, Jesus, but to cleanse our state of all unholiness, all unrighteousness, every gentleman's club, every sex trafficking, every drug entry, Lord. We're just declaring war on it today in Jesus' name. And God, I know just as we've had prophecies for other industries that have had breakthrough, we will have a breakthrough in our state. So Lord, show us the signs. Show us the signs. Raise up your people to be um, visually acute, to the spiritual realm so we can see in the natural what the enemy's doing and how to tear down that stronghold, Lord. So God, we just, we agree together that yes and amen, Lord. Uh, Florida, we are taking you over. We are declaring you now no longer number three, that the numbers are going to start dropping until we cannot even be registered on that sex offender. So Lord, we just thank you for that. And I thank you for this body. I thank you that uh, we are people that are not only hungry for you, but we're hungry for the kingdom to come. We're hungry for your world to be evident in this world. And we're hungry to be carriers of not only your glory, but of your power to transform the world around us in Jesus name. Amen and amen. Thanks for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged. If you would like more content like this, please visit cindy-stewart.com. We'll see you next time.